Good morning. We're going to be in Psalm 23, as Pastor Mike just encouraged us. So uh, you can turn there as you can follow along with me. What a blessing it is to be able to have the Cheerians with us this morning. And I really do want to encourage you out in front of our interactive mission wall. Uh, spend some time if you can. Stop and see them, encourage them. Uh, just get a chance to introduce yourself. Uh, it's a wonderful work that God's doing around the world. We do get little glimpses of it here and there. Uh, but I really appreciated what uh, George shared with us about expanding our view outside of our local area, knowing that the rest of the world doesn't get to do what we get to do regularly and freely. Uh, they are under much more uh, strenuous circumstances when they come together to worship God and be encouraged than we are. So uh, we have a lot to be thankful for. And Psalm 23 is uh, part of what we have to be thankful for as we look this morning. This is a very familiar psalm, right? We're in Psalm 23. You've, you've quoted this, memorized it. You've heard it at, uh, a lot of different times. You've probably heard it at almost every funeral you've been to, right? So this is, this is a very common uh, passage of scripture, but I want to take us uh, to take maybe a slightly different look at it this morning than than what you're used to, or maybe what, what your preconceived ideas might be about this psalm. This is a psalm that's about the great shepherd. And while it's about the great shepherd, it has very intentional application for our lives. If we are to know who God is, the God of scripture, the God of the universe, the, the God that we talk, talked about and sang about already this morning that is beyond our galaxy, if we're to know the parts of God that he has revealed to us, we need to understand that even this, these six verses we look at in Psalm 23 today, they are full of revelation of God's character. And God's character is what can calm us and hold us no matter what we're going through in life. So as we look this morning, I think oftentimes this, uh, this psalm is known as a psalm that you use when people are in a time of trouble and then need some calming influence. And we often think of this being written while David was a shepherd boy, right? And he's out in the pasture laying under the stars and looking up at heaven. And the reality is this, this psalm was most likely written much, much later in David's life. He was probably towards the back end of his life when he was experiencing some intense trouble, probably around the time when his son Absalom was trying to overthrow him. And as we look at this psalm being written, not in a time of peaceful, youthful uh, exuberance, laying in a field, just taking in the, the grandeur of creation, but instead, David writing this in a time where he was mostly on the run and, and afraid for his life, to be honest. And he had gone through all of the experience that God had walked him through in his lifetime. And as he looked back on it, this is kind of one of the things that he writes about. God being the great shepherd. Not necessarily forward-looking, although it's, it's good for us to be looking forward in our spiritual lives and knowing that this is the character of God that takes us. But often, uh, I was reading through a different, couple different commentaries, and one of the things that really stood out to me was this. This is a great encouragement for our older, mature saints, and that's probably the perspective with which David is writing it from. He's writing it from later in his life. I also think as we look at this, we need to understand that this is not only a description of the good shepherd, but it's actually also an encouragement to follow the good shepherd. And if there's one thing that we kind of walk away with this morning after we get a chance to pull apart some of the understandings of these six verses, it's, it's I, I would want us as God's people to walk away knowing there is strength to follow the shepherd. 
He's given it to us. He encourages us all throughout history and throughout all of his word to know who he is. And then if we are exposed to who he is and know who he is, we can then follow him. And I think there's three kind of pieces and, and divisions in this particular passage that talk to us about following him in three different areas. So I'm going to give them to you at a time, and then we're going to read these six verses and kind of pull them apart. So if you're taking notes, here's your three spots to kind of follow along with. First, the first three verses talk to us about following the shepherd in the pasture. In the pasture, out there, when you're, when you're out in the wilderness, following him along, and what that looks like to see him provide and guide and lead you. So following the shepherd in the pasture. Secondly, following the shepherd in the valley. And the valley and the pictures that come along with the valley in a shepherding culture are a little bit different than we might think of the valley in. So we're going to kind of walk our way through that. So following the shepherd in the pasture, following the shepherd in the valley, and then thirdly, following the shepherd into the fold. Into the fold. So those three things are what we see here throughout this. So let's read together. Let's get into a familiar passage, but still I'm going to encourage you Look at your Bible, look at God's word. If it's on your phone or in the text or in your scripture journal, if you're following along, look at it, follow along, read with me. And then we're gonna go back and kind of pull some things apart. Psalm 23, verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? Amen. This is such an encouraging passage of scripture, but it also is so full of imagery, right? We know the Psalms to be these poetic books that, that take pictures of things or experiences of things or emotions of things and break them down into these poetic songs that the people of God would sing regularly. And as I was walking my way through, I mean, this is, I've heard this psalm for most of my life, right? And, and we know it, you probably could, most of us quote it without even looking at it. But the pictures that are present here, they carry with it a lot of meaning that we may not be totally aware of naturally, Right? I asked for a show of hands of who's spent uh, days out in the wilderness shepherding sheep, but I'm not sure any of us probably have, maybe a couple of us. But these pictures that David's talking about, this literally is David's life. This is David's life. This is what he grew up under. We, we think back through the, the patriarchs of the, of the nation of Israel and the patriarchs of the faith. They were shepherds. The first martyr in the Bible, Abel, was the shepherd. Moses, when he got through the the first 40 years of his life and then headed out and had to run away from Egypt, he ends up spending 40 years doing what? Shepherding, learning to shepherd. 
David, who's the greatest king of Israel and, and that Israel would always point to, he grew up as a shepherd boy. So these pictures that he's talking about here about God being the great shepherd, it's actually just, it is a very deep, very personal, very intimate and day-to-day description that David is giving us. It's not just some lofty pictures of something poetic he thought of that rhymed and sang well. No, these are, these are life moments that David's walked through. And, and they're life moments where he saw God provide, protect, and guide in specific ways. So let's dig into the first couple verses. The following the shepherd in the pasture. The Lord is my shepherd. And quite literally, the, the verb shepherd there, it's, it's not, a, not it's a verb in this particular sense. And, and it's, it's also a participle. So it not only means shepherd, but it, the Lord is shepherding me. So he is the shepherd and he is shepherding me, which would sound odd in a translation, but that's more what this word carries with it. So David starts this off with just saying, The Lord is, not only is he the great shepherd, but the Lord is shepherding me. He's shepherding me. He is my shepherd. I shall not want. We could probably spend an entire sermon on that first sentence. (laughs) Because every one of us struggles with this one truth. The Lord is my shepherd. And, and since the Lord is my shepherd, I have no need. I have no wants. I don't have anything else that I, I require in this world apart from him. I mean, if we just took this first phrase, how convicting, and I, and I did this this week, so I'll tell you how convicting it was. Um, but if you take this phrase and you just say, how convicting is this to just spend each of our days just trying to remember and live out this phrase. The Lord is my shepherd. He is shepherding me. I shall not want. We probably dealt with wants this morning, right? It's only 1030. (laughs) And there's probably something in your world this morning where you were like, if I don't get this, I want this. I don't know, maybe it's a cup of coffee. Maybe it's the right coffee. Maybe you went to get coffee and it was the wrong coffee. And we are so easily distracted by this. Maybe it's, I just want to have a smooth morning with no hiccups and something got in there. Maybe it's, I want to wake up this morning with no aches and pains. And if you're older than 25, that's over. Okay? So adjust your perspective a little bit. But the reality is this. We have wants, right? So what do we do with this verse (laughs) that says, I don't want, I have no wants, I shall not want. It's almost like a, it's David sitting here saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And he's remember on the back end of life at this point, he's looking back and saying, I've seen all that God has done for me. I don't need anything but him. And as we look at our lives, as we think of our day, just just even entering into it this morning, can we, can we say that? The Lord is your shepherd. If, if you have given your life to Jesus and, 
and you have accepted his gift of salvation, you are part of the family of God. You've been made new in him. He is your shepherd. Whether it feels like it today or not, that's not reality. He is. So, if he is, can you confidently declare what David declares next? I shall not want. Probably for most of us, this would be a good mantra to wake up with every morning. To go into our day knowing I am not going to want after anything other than what God gives me and what he has brought to me. He is sufficient. He's enough. And what he's brought into your life is enough. And I feel like this is a thesis statement, this first sentence. Everything after this is David just expounding upon the fact that the Lord is a shepherd and he shall not want. Everything else just kind of falls under that. So David starts getting his poetic, his songwriting juices flowing, and he, he starts describing how the Lord is his shepherd and how he shall not want because he is. So he goes right into this picture of a pasture from here. Now don't tune me out because you just took that first sentence and you're like, okay, I'm done. Don't do that. Stay with me. Because the encouragement to walk through that first statement the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The encouragement follows after here. Of knowing who God is, therefore we do not have to want and strive after other things. God is adequate for every need. The first picture we see here is the pasture. In verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. These are all shepherding pictures. So I'm going to give you four different, the four different pictures here that he uses in his shepherding mindset. The first, lie down. The second, leads. The third, restores. And the fourth, leads in paths. And we're going to pull apart that word paths because it doesn't always mean what we think it means in this particular passage. So the pasture is the first place where David talks about God being the great shepherd, his particular great shepherd, not just any great shepherd, but his. When God's people follow their shepherd, they have all that they need and they will not lack of any necessities of life. The interesting first picture here, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I learned, I've learned some things. I've talked on this passage a couple times. And when you start getting into shepherding kind of mantras and pictures, this idea of sheep lying down, is, I learned something I didn't know. Did you know sheep will not lie down if they're hungry? They won't. Until they eat, they will not lie down. So you could have a sheep walking around in, in a dirt pen all day long, and if they don't get some grass and shrubbery to eat, they will never actually lie down no matter how tired they are. They'll just stand there. So even this picture of it saying, God, God is our great shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures. It's this idea that God will provide for the sheep's needs. A green pasture is what a sheep needs to eat. The funny thing about sheep is they are not capable of finding green pastures on their own. I, we're not going to go too far into the fact because we don't want to go home depressed, but we're, we're compared to sheep a lot in God's, God's world, right? So <clears throat> humbling to say the least, all right? 
But what we know we need to survive, we too often are not able to find it. We need God to take us there, right? And how does our lives get off track? How do we move away from the Lord? We move away from the Lord when we start doing our own thing and finding our own way and going after our own desires. When the shepherd knows better. This picture of a shepherd leading sheep into green pastures, sheep will wander off into nothingness. But the Lord is the good shepherd leads them where they need to go. Not only go to lie down, but they won't lie down until they've actually found a place where they can eat and they are sustained. Then they will lie down. So God is not only the one who guides them to sustenance, but he is giving them what they need to survive, but he's also the one that gives them what they need to survive and then allows them a place where they can rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Here's the second picture of still waters. Another thing I learned about sheep. Sheep will not drink from water that is moving. First time I read that, I'm like, why? Here's why. It scares them. (laughs) Seriously? Water that is moving quickly, sheep will stand next to it and never drink because they're afraid of it. So what would happen in ancient times is the shepherd would get the sheep down to where the stream or the, or the creek was, and if the water was moving, he would actually go down the creek a little ways and dam up the creek or the river so the water stopped so the sheep would drink. That's the still waters that David's talking about. David's had to do this because he was leading sheep when he was young. And he had to take them down. And, and you don't find a lot of totally still water. And usually the still water you don't want to drink from. So he would do this when he was leading his sheep. He would go down river and dam up the water so the water flow would stop. So the sheep would actually approach it and drink. So he again is saying out loud here and, and creating into a song for the people of God the fact that God is the one who knows how full of fear and trepidation we are. And what does he do? Does he walk us up to the edge of the water and be like, okay, dummy, drink the water. I know it's moving. It can't hurt you. Just drink it. Right? Because honestly, if I knowing what I know about shepherding, which is about this much, had a bunch of sheep and we walked up to a creek that was flowing along, I would stand there and look at them. What are you doing? Water, right? Like, like I, I, don't know, I know you need it. Drink it already. What are you doing? Because I'm, I would be inexperienced at leading a flock of sheep. And one of the pictures that's just here for us here is the green pastures and the still waters means God knows you. He knows you. He knows what you need. He knows how to change things so that you can even receive it. The rest needed, you've got to find green pastures first so they can rest. The water, in order for them to drink and stay alive, You might have to dam up a creek and let this water stop so it's still, so they're not spooked. So this picture here is us. We're the sheep. 
Okay? David, he's identifying with us. David's one of the sheep. God is the great shepherd who knows exactly what you need. And not only does he provide it, but he provides it in a way that you can receive it. Green pastures, still waters. Thirdly, he restores my soul. This idea of restoring, it was a common shepherding phrase because what would happen is the sheep, when you didn't have green pastures and still waters, you still had to move, right? And you had to get to a place where there were green pastures and still waters. So the shepherd would have to keep them moving and they were tired and they were worn out. And we've already expounded upon the great intelligence of sheep. So being in the middle of a wilderness and being tired, they have a tendency to just stand there. If they stand there, they'll die. But he leads them to where they can be restored. And the restored picture there is when you are worn out, you're afflicted, you don't think you can go on, and you are done. The Lord restores you so you can keep going. He knows where to get what you need and bring it to your life. And how does he do that? It's, it's amazing to think about. Remember, David's towards the end of his life looking back. And the reason he's writing these things is because he's looking back thinking, oh, I see what God did there. I see how he provided there. I see how he carried me through when I didn't know what he was doing. I see how he provided in a way that I maybe didn't like at the time, but now looking back on it, I think that was his sovereign hand doing what was good and best. Because the, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, always does what is good, right, and perfect. And he takes care of his sheep. So David, looking back on life, this is not wishful thinking forward. I hope God provides. I hope he takes care of me. I hope he knows how I need to drink. I hope he gives me green pastures. He's not hoping. He's looking back and saying, man, God is good. This is what God's done. And no matter where we are at in life, whether you're on the tail end of life, in the middle of what your life might be, or at the beginning, we all have these circumstances. And you might not have as far a distance to look back on, but you need to turn around and look behind you sometimes and see what God has done. I've had instances in my life, and maybe you're familiar with this too, where I felt like the Lord should have done something different. Anybody ever feel that way? A couple of you are honest. Um, here's the reality. We, we are people, we are the sheep. I'm sure when shepherd is leading a sheep through this dry desert towards where he knows green pastures are, the sheep are thinking, I don't want to walk anymore. I'm good here. I can't even see where we're going. And I don't see anything good in front of me. But they trust the shepherd and the shepherd leads them. And this is a great picture for us as followers of God. As people that Jesus has made new, we need to trust him. It might look a little dry right now. Know that he does this for his sheep. He's getting you to green pastures and still waters. But right now, it might not look like it. He restores you. If you're feeling worn out, tapped out, totally dry, 
God is in the business of restoring things. Later in scripture, he is described to us as the one who restores all things. So this is part of his character. Lastly, in verse three here, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When he says he leads me in paths of righteousness, another shepherding word here, these word paths, it's not just a path. Anybody ever do any hiking or, or kind of out in there, just kind of wandering around doing whatever? We were recently up in the Adirondacks and <clears throat> there's this one, I'm going to call it a mountain. It's not super big, but Panther Mountain that we like to climb as a family. We've been doing this. I used to climb this with my grandfather when I was little. Okay, so we do this every year. It's kind of a tradition. The interesting thing about climbing things like mountains, when you get into a wet season, uh, and this has been a fairly wet season up in the Adirondacks, uh, some of the paths get overgrown. So sometimes you kind of wander and you're like, I think this is the path. Might be the path. But then you might be looking around. Maybe, maybe it's over there. This word paths in this particular text is used as a well-worn rut, okay? So there's paths you can walk on, and I don't do this kind of hiking because I'll get lost, but there's, there's paths you can go blaze your own trail, right? And find a path and make it up the mountain or make it through the woods or, uh, I don't really do a lot of that, but I like walking on well-worn paths. Why? Because I know somebody's been there and they made it out, <laughs> right? Like there's... Multiple people have walked this way and the path is well-worn. And that's what this word is. It's not just a path. It's a well-worn path or rut is the definition. Here's what sheep need is what David's kind of given us this example of. He leads me in well-worn pathways of righteousness for his name's sake. The reality is this. Sheep of ancient days, and I would assume even today, when they start to explore a new path that hasn't been trodden well and worn out, they get in trouble. They get lost. We already said, right? Sheep, sheep won't drink from moving water. So wandering on a new path or trying to explore in a new area is where sheep end up in trouble. And one part of that I was reading here that I wanted to include it was a piece of commentary from Pastor Warren Wearsby. And one of the things he said is, this is not only a description that God is good and knows where we need to go, but that he has also led many others there. He's not a novice. The Lord has been doing this for thousands of years, leading his people, right? And the path of righteousness is not new. The path of righteousness is a well-worn rut that we just need to stay in and not get wandering off on our own. Where he goes on, he says, when sheep start to explore an exciting new path, it leads them into trouble. Therefore, like Hebrews 13, 9 tells us, do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings or leadings. The ways of the Lord are proven through centuries of time, thousands of years. And what God ministered to David's soul with in his time of need is the same thing that he ministers to you and I with. His good character. 
too often, especially in today's day and age, and I don't know if this is true in other parts of the world, but in America, I feel like everybody's trying to come up with something new. Everybody's trying to come up with a new way. I think I've shared this before, but I had a great, a very helpful professor in college that used to say to us, he, was a, he led our preaching class, he'd say, if you think of something new, don't say it out loud. It's probably heresy. Okay? Because the things of God are not new. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of the universe that was existed before creation was ever here is the same God who is ministering to David in times of need, then the same God that walks with us now. He didn't change over time. He's not learning as he goes. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He's sovereign over all things. And he is infinitely loving and caring. We can trust that. That's who he's always been. David's reminders here, he leads me in the well-worn ruts of righteousness. Stick with what God has always called his people to walk in. Faithfulness. Humility, trusting God because he's not good and he knows what's coming and he knows that he is leading you. Don't think that you need something different than what God has always given his people. You don't. See, when we start thinking that we need something different, we start thinking that we're unique and we need God to minister in a way that only we could dictate or direct or come up with. And that's not what David's doing. David's saying the, the ancient principles of shepherding are exactly what God's peoples need. He provides. He guides. He directs. He knows where the green pastures are. He knows how to still the waters. He knows how to restore you in times of drought. And famine. He knows how to lead you in well worn paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is the God that we follow. When we talk about sheep, we need to realize we're talking about ourselves. When we talk about the need to be out there in the pasture with the great shepherd, we need to know that out there is a very scary place for the sheep because sheep can't take care of themselves. They have no defensive capabilities. They're not that fast. They're not that smart. And they're not particularly dangerous to anything other than grass. Sheep need a shepherd. And as we think about God being our good shepherd and the one who always knows what to do for us. I think sometimes we need to be people who are willing to repent because we often want God to do something else. We often want God to meet our particular desires. We often want God to provide in a way that makes sense to us. The problem is as sheep, we don't know what's best. We think we do. And that's part of the problem. But God knows what's best. And he doesn't miss a single thing that comes in or out of your life. He's there for every one of them. 
whether it's something you acknowledge and want or something you didn't want in your life. The picture here is the shepherd stands above the flock and he is going to take care of them. We'll see later in this passage, and we're going to look into this a little bit next week as we look at this further into the next part of this passage, but we'll see later in this passage how shepherd, the great shepherd, and any, any good shepherd, even back then in ancient times, was willing to give up their life for the sheep. Because frankly, the shepherd was the only thing standing between enemies, danger, and potential death for the sheep and the sheep. He's the only one in between. And sometimes that might sound scary because there might be more than one enemy. There might be more than one thing coming at you in life. But God is sufficient. And he will stand between you and those things. And he will guide and direct and protect. And we're going to look more at that next week as we come into the second part of this particular psalm. But as we think about just these first three verses today, the Lord guiding us in the pasture. And what does it look like for us as sheep, as, as people of God, to follow the shepherd out there in the pasture? I want to present you with the, the picture of that pasture is our world. It's all the places that God has put you. Your work, your neighborhood, the grocery store, the fair. We know the fair is crazy. But all these things, all these places that God puts you in life and is guiding you and leading you through, that's the pasture in this particular picture. And in the midst of all those things, God is going to provide you with green pastures, still waters. He will lead you. He will restore you. And the pathway to following him is not some new trail to blaze. It is the well-worn path of all of our spiritual fathers and mothers that have gone before us. Thousands of years of people following this God. It's not new. So we need to be digging back through. We need to be learning from David's life. David and all his brokenness, as he looked back on the tail end of life, what he saw was, man, I'm a mess. And have been a mess at different points in his life. But God. But God. Provided. Protected. Led. Restored him when he needed it. And showed him where to go. And which paths to follow. So let's contemplate that as we, as we think about what it looks like to not only be sheep who follow the great shepherd. But sheep who know the great shepherd's character. Because you follow a lot better when you trust somebody. And some of us might need to take some time this morning and repent that we have not trusted God well. That we have a tendency of saying, yes, Lord, guide my life. And then a little bit later saying, hold on, I want to take care of that myself. Instead of knowing that David looked back, and I'm sure David could look at his life and say, well, there's a time when I grabbed the reins back on my own. <laughs> there's a time when I wandered off on my own. <laughs> I see where that got me. I see where that got me. There's a time when I thought I knew better than God. I see what that got me. And what did God do in each of those places? He came back in and shepherded. 
He provided, he protected, he restored, and then he leads back into well-worn paths of righteousness. So let's do a little inventory with our hearts. As we prepare even next week to take on the next two sections of this passage, I want to encourage us as the people of God to really ask some hard questions of ourselves. How well do you trust the good shepherd? What are the areas you need to repent of? What are the areas reminded this morning that you need to remember God is good? He is good. And he does good. And he loves me. And I may not understand everything that's going on, nor could I ever understand everything that was going on. So I'm going to leave that to him. And instead, I'm going to follow him in a well-worn bath that leads to righteousness and truth. Let's ask the Lord to help us to do that. And part of that is responding to God's word. Part of that is responding to the challenge that Chirians have brought to us this morning. Think outside of yourself. Because there are people in, in our part of the world and in other parts of the world that are suffering greatly and looking to the good shepherd. And we need to be praying for those folks to stick on the well-worn path of righteousness and to follow him. So let's pray and ask the Lord to minister to our hearts this morning and to continue to lead us to be the people of God that he has called us to be and to remember that he is a good shepherd.